We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. As always, my name is Steven, and I am your host. Joining me tonight for a very special episode is Mr. Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy, the best in the business right now. Hayden, thanks for uh, taking the time to join me tonight. How are you doing? Well, I'm not sure about all that. I'm glad to glad to be here. Talk uh, Chargers, my old stomping ground. Still root for them a little bit. I, I can't go all in like always, uh, but I'm I'm happy to be here. There we go. I did not know that before uh, just now. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get you uh, at least back into the fold a little bit. Come, come to some games. Uh, you know, Hayden did attend the Chargers scrimmage on Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but the main focus of today's conversation is going to be uh, about the Chargers fantasy football outlook. Uh, I myself am about ready to do some drafts in the next couple of weeks. I know most people are. So um, it's always a good you know, uh, hint that football is about to be back when people start emailing you about leagues and payouts and things like that. So it's a, it's a good time. So before we dive in, Hayden, I do want to let you, uh, uh, kind of shout out underdog a little bit. Tell us, tell our listeners where, um, they can find you guys' platform where they can find your work and really kind of what makes underdog unique from uh, some of the other fantasy platforms out there. So Underdog Fantasy, we specialize right now in the best ball format of fantasy football, and that's the unique spin where all you have to do is draft. There's no setting lineups. There's no trades. There's no waiver wires. So the good news about that is you can do a bunch of them. You know, like right now, if you have a home league on Labor Day, all for that. But I think to prep for it, you can do some best ball drafts. You can do five, ten of them. The biggest tournament in fantasy football history is Best Ball Mania 3. $10 million in prizes. You can enter that today. For $25, if you use promo code Hayden, I'll match your deposit up to $100. But the real thing with the best ball is everything's about upside in that format. The, the biggest weekly score, you're playing against hundreds of thousands of people, but it is a great way to prepare for your home league. So if you are doing one, instead of doing some silly mock draft, do a best ball league, get used to it. It's getting bigger and bigger every single year, and the industry is growing and underdogs kind of leading the way. Yeah, you know, just as a casual supporter, like I do a, a lot of leagues, right? And I'm the commissioner at our, our at my work league. And I, I always talk to people, try and convince them to join the league. And it's always like, ah, oh, it's too much time. Like, I don't want to yep. spend all that dra- that time preparing for the draft or setting my lineup each week. So 
Uh, if you like fantasy football, but not necessarily don't necessarily want to commit to the full time aspect of it. I think doing best ball is, is a great way to uh, accomplish that mission and uh, scratch the itch, if you will. That's right. So, like I said, I didn't want to get some of your thoughts from uh, the scrimmage before we dive in here. I know you kind of tweeted about this, but first and foremost, man, what do you think of the the vibe down there in Costa Mesa, fan turnout, physicality of the, the scrimmage, all that good stuff? So I was on the marketing team when they transitioned from San Diego to Los Angeles, and okay. it was difficult to get fans to show up for the training camp. I was there every single day, bright and early doing all that. And when the first thing I noticed is the hype is real. Like there was, I would say like no joke, yeah. like maybe five times as many people. And now there's obviously a difference between Tuesday versus Sunday, but it was a packed, packed, packed uh, facility. And the scrimmage was, was narrated by uh, Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Just the energy looks a lot different, a lot more chargers jerseys. So I think that it takes a while. And I've obviously in LA specifically, I've seen this with my Trojans, you got to be winning if you want the fans to come out. And this roster is, is basically as good as anybody. So step one is a lot of the fans were there. And then we can get into the actual scrimmage. But it was good news for just the Chargers in general. The footprint does seem to be growing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked a little bit about this on our on our show. But um, I never got to go to training camp in San Diego. But I went back in uh, 2000. That would have been 2019. And yep. even that year, you know, the Chargers had, were coming off of a – we're coming off a 12 and four playoff season, right? They won a playoff game and we were there um, for the whole weekend. It was the Thursday, Friday, Saturday situation. And the Saturday practice was, was busy, but the Thursday and Friday practices was like maybe a couple hundred people in the stands and, and yep. not that many on the fence line. So uh, to see the turnout that has come this year um, has been fantastic. And I'm not super surprised that the scrimmage was busy, right? Like you mentioned, but even on their uh, Wednesday practice last week, they had a ton of fans show up. So shout out to uh, everybody that's been attending. There's been lots of content coming out. So uh, it's been a great time. Yep. All right. So let's dive in here. Uh, like I mentioned, fantasy football preview here with uh, underdog fantasies, Hayden Winks. Um, first and foremost, of course, had to start with the quarterback position, Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are going to draft him uh, pretty high and pretty early. Um, where are you at with like, the appropriate time to draft somebody like Justin Herbert. Do you think he is worth, you know, drafting in kind of that tier one of the fantasy quarterbacks and, uh, or are you kind of more on the side that maybe he's going to regress a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think that Justin Herbert is going to be like a negative regression candidate from all these nerds with their models, myself included. The problem is, is he's so damn good that he's going to be playing above expectation every single year. So I have him with the tier ones. I think right now on underdog fantasy, he's going right next to Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the late fourth round. I think that's appropriate. I'm drafting Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm only, I kind of do have a rule though with Justin Herbert is I'm not drafting him unless I have either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams who go in the third round. But to me, Justin Herbert is sensational. I think that he can push Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league. I think that he's a candidate for 5,000 yards. Again, he can lead the league in touchdowns. This team plays with pace. I think they could pass the ball even a little bit more. The offensive line looks better um, as long as they can get the right tackle position handled, but he's as good as, as it gets. And I think that uh, the weapons around her around him going into year three gives him a chance to be the MVP this year. So you mentioned, of course, stacking Justin with one of his uh, wide receivers, and we'll get to the wide receivers in a second. 
why only if you're stacking it and you know kind of what is the benefit in your opinion of doing a, a quarterback receiver one receiver two kind of stack like that so this goes into some of the best ball things where i'm talking about I'm so used to talking about best ball and you got to come in first out of a hundred thousand people or, or more and that's where you need to get the stacking and the thing is is if if you already invested into mike williams in round three you're already betting on the chargers in some capacity so might as well bet on the quarterback and if you drafted justin herbert in the fourth round how are you going to advance in the playoffs against other sure. teams that, that would he would always be throwing to either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. So uh, in your redraft league, if you're just going against your coworkers, it's far less important. But if you're playing on underdog and you're trying to win these big basketball tournaments, stacking is key. And I even think in your home league, stacking is still key. Um, it adds a little uh, correlation and a little bit of upside. You're just betting on the entire offense. So I, I think ultimately it's smart no matter the format. It's especially smart in the basketball format. Yeah, I know me me personally last year I I got to uh stack Tom Brady and Chris Godwin in my work league last year and it was it was fantastic. It was yep. it was a, a great choice, you know, if I do say so myself, but I'm a big fan of stacking in general. So you mentioned the wide receivers. Um I'm curious again kind of your thoughts on the the scrimmage here what you saw there. There's been some talk I know in the fantasy community that Mike Williams might be, you know, surpassing Keenan Allen in terms of being the more valuable player. Where do you land in that conversation? And what do you see from the scrimmage, if anything, that kind of could give you some more insight there? So I rank Mike Williams ahead of Keenan Allen. Uh, Underdog Fantasy's half PPR. I think you can make the argument in full PPR. Keenan Allen is still ahead. But I think Mike Williams coming off a career high, 1.97 yards per route run. He's entering the prime of his career, 28 years old. He just got paid. He's healthy, which is something that we haven't been able to say early in Mike Williams career. And the big thing with Mike Williams is his role pretty much changed last year. He was in this quote unquote, Mike, uh, uh, Michael Thomas role where his a dot dropped down to a career low 12 in, or 12 yards downfield, more intermediate routes, more in, uh, more underneath routes. He can still with the best of them win downfield and down the perimeter. And we all know that Justin Herbert hit that route, but Mike Williams to me has a higher upside than Keenan Allen. Uh, I'm not fully concerned about Keenan Allen, but looking at yards per route run over the last, now it, it's five years. It's gone from 2.5 to 2.3 to two flat to 1.9. And last year was 1.8. So it's five consecutive years where his efficiency has dropped. He's now 30 years old. So I think it's nothing against Keenan Allen. One of my favorite players still very good at the game, but I think that the way Mike Williams wins is better in best ball. I think he has the, the, uh, the higher ceiling in general the offense is tailored for him and he's now in the prime of his career yeah i would agree with that assessment especially from a fantasy football perspective i'm curious really kind of what becomes of mike williams this year because if you go on um reception perception with matt Harmon, like his he was top four or five i think in percentage of his routes that were slants specifically and also go balls nine routes so that was basically what he was running was was a lot of slants and a lot of go balls and then some posts and corners and things like that. So I'm curious to see if that changes at all this year, because I do think he can take, you know, another step as as purely as a wide receiver. Would love to get him some more digs and drags and just let him get the ball in his hands and go make some plays after the catch. I did see in the scrimmage a couple of times on just simple out routes, like a third and eight, and it was just an out route and Daniel Jeremiah. And it's the very true uh, Mike Williams has been threatening people deep for years and he's well-respected as a deep receiver. He's kind of developing a little bit more where he, now that he's pressing deep and if he can cut back in or cut back out that dig route, then out route, 
Justin Herbert has the ability to throw that thing on the perimeter 10 yards downfield on an out route. And that's, he made a couple of first downs in the scrimmage. I don't want to read too much into it, but I do think that just Mike Williams is transcending the, they obviously just paid him and where Mike Williams wins is exactly where Justin Herbert wins. So uh, like the other thing is if like Keenan Allen got injured, I hope Keenan Allen doesn't get injured. Mike Williams to me could be like a top five fantasy receiver. Yeah. This offense is so damn good. And his red zone work is impenetrable and he's just, the, he's winning underneath more. Uh, so I think that big Mike Williams is somebody that in the third round in any format, especially in best ball. Uh, I love big Mike. There you go. So you feel like a third round for both of them though, maybe Mike a little yep. earlier than that though. Yeah, I, I think Keenan Allen, I think in most leagues, is going to get drafted ahead of Mike Williams. But like the niche fantasy football grinder, it's kind of the consensus is kind of flipped where it's Mike Williams ahead of Keenan Allen. But I think both of them are reasonable picks somewhere in the third, fourth round. There we go. There we go. The niche fantasy football grinder. I love that <laughs> phrase. Um, I, we, uh, we talked offhand a little bit about Josh Palmer. Uh, he had some great quotes today. I don't know if you saw that, but he, uh, I guess in the offseason, uh, went back all the way to Keenan Allen's rookie season to watch film on Keenan Allen. So yep. uh, I'm so curious to see how they'll use him. He was pretty diverse across the board in terms of uh, route running aspect. You know, he was, uh, I think he was top 20, if I'm not mistaken, in post and corner routes. But, you know, we saw some glimpses that he could also fill in for, you know, the Keenan Allen power slot role when Keenan Allen was out with COVID last year. So a lot of hype around Josh Palmer, a lot of potential for a breakout season. Uh, what do you think we see from him in year two this year? So in this scrimmage, he was firmly the wide receiver three. Whenever they go into two wide receiver sets, yeah, obviously he comes off the field, but Jalen Guyton didn't mix in until much later into the scrimmage. I do think that Guyton still has a role because he's the fastest of the the four yeah. main receivers here. So if they do need a really deep post round stuff, I can see Jalen Guyton getting in there. But I do think Palmer's going to be more of, a full-time player. And the good thing about Josh Palmer is I'm not sure if there's a certain skill that he has that's dominant. That's why he was a day two pick, but he has a versatility and that's really nice for fantasy and nice for the chargers. There was two games late last season that really caught my eye. Uh, one Keenan Allen missed time. He played 74% of his snaps in the slot that week. A couple yep. weeks later, Mike Williams misses time. Then he goes to the outside. He's an 86% uh, of his snaps are on the perimeter. And you just don't really see that. And he can kind of win both ways. He's got a nice physical body. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. I think that's why, and for fantasy purposes, if either one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen misses time, even just for a couple weeks, Josh Palmer, I think, is going to be like a weekly wide receiver three type with some upside. And I think that in going into, was this year two or year three for him? Year two, uh, yeah. I, I just think that he has a, a chance to be a full-time player. And last year he was splitting time with Jalen guy. And I think that's going to be more of like an 80, 20 rather than like a 60, 40 split that it was last year. Yeah. And I, and it, for what it's worth, it has been pretty clear that he is wide receiver three. You know, I, I think from the jump in training camp, we, we, we heard quickly that Josh Palmer was kind of viewed as an ascending player by this team. And they're really excited about him to get him more involved. Um, again, I mentioned just kind of his route distribution. I would love to see him get some, you know, some of the short area yards after catch, potential opportunities as well because i mean we all love keenan allen right but that's just not who he is anymore at this point yep. so would love to just you know allow them see them allow him to get the ball in his hands and just uh, let him go to work a little bit um so there was a a bit of a, a hype scenario on sunday and that is of course deandre carter that chargers fans are buzzing about do you think 
you saw enough from him on Sunday or heard enough about him that he could be viewed as as kind of a, a potential dark horse fantasy player this year? Uh, short answer, no, but he was definitely mixing in and he does have some pop and like Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen's Mike Williams. If you had like a relay race of like three wide receiver sets, the chargers would be definitely in the bottom half in the league. So <laughs> he definitely provides a little pop there. Um, not expecting to hit on the fantasy radar. I think that he's, uh, the, the main kick returner or punt returner as well. Um, going yeah. back to the, like the underneath stuff that you're talking about with Josh Palmer, I did notice Gerald Everett kind of doing a lot of that stuff where they would be putting him in motion. He was lining up in the slot and a lot of drag routes and that stuff. And it was only one scrimmage, but that's kind of where he's won. And Jared Cook wasn't necessarily providing that last year. He just didn't look the same. Um, so I, I do wonder if we're going to get Gerald Everett, who's more on the smaller side of, among tight ends. He was a full-time player in the scrimmage the first couple drives with Justin Herbert. He might be the guy where you need somebody to roll out against a linebacker throw into the flats, and maybe he's the short yards after the catch guy. Um, but sure. maybe Josh Palmer has a little more pop than I'm expecting. But I, I do think that maybe that's one of the differences is Gerald Everett versus Jared Cook is maybe Gerald Everett down the flats as that yards after the catch guy might work out. Yeah, you know, getting into the tight ends, I think, you know, there's a, a clear difference for me in the way that they're using Everett and Donald Parham because, I mean, Jared Cook was clearly like they're a true tight end one for them last year, much to the chagrin of Chargers fans at certain times. But um, I feel like it's pretty clear that they want Gerald Everett to kind of be that short area yards after catch guy. And Donald Parham has been the vertical threat so far, the, the seam stretcher, if you will. So curious to get your thoughts there. There's, again, a lot of hype around Gerald Everett playing with Justin Herbert, playing in this offense, where do you feel like is a good time to draft him or are you kind of avoiding him uh, again because of Donald Parham and all these other guys that we're talking about from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, Gerald Everett's kind of been a fantasy football tease for the last couple of years and yeah. he's struggled in the red zone. Jared Cook struggled in the red zone, but Jared Cook had so many opportunities in the red zone last year. He was fifth in red zone routes per game. Uh, the Chargers uh, offense in general with their tight ends were six in routes, ninth in targets. So there is some fantasy appeal from Gerald. Everett. I think ultimately he's going to be a very inconsistent tight end two. But if you are getting in the, the inconsistent tight end twos, might as well have him be attached to Justin Herbert. Um, yeah. So I have been drafting some Gerald Everett. I didn't get a chance to see what's going to happen in the red zone because Parham uh, wasn't active uh, during that scrimmage. I, I don't believe. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, maybe in the third preseason game, we'll, we'll see if Gerald Everett's out there in the red zone, but as for the scrimmage, Gerald Everett was a full-time player. So I'm hoping he's getting those red zone looks. Cause if he's not, he's just too down too far down the, the target totem pole to really matter. But, um, if it's like him and Evan Ingram, like I can see similar roles for those two types and one's playing with an MVP candidate and the other is a second, <laughs> yeah. uh, year player. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, again, for what it's worth, Donald Parham, and when he was healthy, it was like every time they go to red zone period, it was like Donald Parham touchdown, Donald Parham touchdown. So he's been more of the red zone guy from what we've seen. Again, uh, was not playing when you were there, but uh, Parham has been the the seam stretcher, the red zone threat from at least what we've heard so far. Yeah. Um, I will shift gears again to the running back here. Um, briefly about Austin Eckler. Obviously, 20 touchdowns last year is going to be very, very difficult for him to uh, repeat, but how early are you kind of advising people to draft Austin Eckler this year? And what are you expecting from him? He's my fifth overall player. I think there's a teardrop after the top four and my top four is Christian McCaffrey. got to play for the upside. I don't care about the injuries. Jonathan Taylor after <laughs> what he did last year. And then Cooper cup and Justin Jefferson, Jefferson playing in Cooper cups role. 
Cooper Cup being like one of the most elite fantasy wide receivers of all time. And then after that, that's when you get into Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris. And I'm just going with Austin Eckler. Yes, he's a negative regression candidate, but he still was second in expected touchdowns per my model at up at 13 and a half. As long as he keeps that that uh, goal line role, which I am expecting. Uh, Josh Kelly was kind of mixing in the red zone during that scrimmage, but it mm-hmm. ultimately did go back to Austin Eckler. Uh, he's just too good uh, down there. And obviously in the past game, I just want to be betting on this offense. So uh, maybe not the best fifth overall pick in fantasy history, but I do think of the other options, Dalvin Cook and some of these other guys, I'm just going to repeat last year and I have him as my fifth overall player. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Derek, over Derek Henry, though, that's uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. But again, I'm a little worried about just the Titans' offense. Their offensive line doesn't look as good. Sure. AJ Brown was like kind of maybe holding up Ryan Tannehill, and I don't, I wasn't the big Treylon Burks guy, so I I'm a little nervous about that offense just in general. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, you mentioned Joshua Kelly. I think a lot of fantasy people kind of drafting Isaiah Spiller and. I do think that at some point he does kind of become the RB2, but Joshua Kelly has really surprised a lot of people in training camp this year after not really being very uh, successful last season. Um, I feel like you're talking about both of these guys as handcuffs, but where, where are you potentially at with both of these players? So Isaiah Spiller was clearly the fourth running back. He was playing with a second-team offense, and him and, and Larry Roundtree were rotating, and it was – uh, Josh Kelly coming in to spell Austin Eckler in the middle of uh, the the first drive with with Justin Herbert in that scrimmage. I do think that just Josh and it's Kelly been that has way. again. Sorry, to yeah, it's been that way. It really has been that way. So I think it's just going to take some time. Isaiah Spiller is just like a very big body, and like he was the youngest <laughs> player in the draft, but he was he was a little bit thicker than I was expecting. But the good thing with Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller is, yeah, he's probably not going to be the most explosive back. He doesn't have the most pop to his game. But I thought that he was reasonably good in pass protection on film. He had 29, 20, and 25 receptions in his three collegiate seasons. Early to clear from the SEC, had 200 touches in each one of those seasons. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree averaged 3.2 and 2.4 yards per carry last year. So I'm not fully in on Isaiah Spiller, but I do think that he could handle a bell cow workload or a 60% workload. He's got the body type for it. And he's got the hands, maybe even the pass protection. So I am rolling the dice. He goes 120th overall um, on underdog fantasy. Josh Kelly does not get drafted. Um, I think this is one of those things where it might take some time. We might not even see it into preseason week three. But I think ultimately, if Austin Eckler goes down on week eight, I would guess it's going to be Isaiah Spiller by that point. Yeah, at that point, I would expect Isaiah to kind of, you know, overtake Josh Kelly. But you know, you never know with these guys. I mean, they it's a weird situation because this regime did not draft Joshua Kelly. Uh, they drafted Larry Roundtree and they kind of handed Roundtree the, the reins early on last year. But then it was just like, I don't know. It was like, OK, we're just going to pivot to Josh Kelly. And, you know, they kind of stuck with him in the second half of last season, at least as that RB2. And then Justin Jackson happened. It was weird, man. It was so weird last year from a running yeah. back perspective. So they couldn't they couldn't run it. Yeah, it was it yeah. was the backups. And I think that's why Austin Eckler's been so vocal about please get me a, yeah. a RB2 here. Um and I, I think Isaiah Spiller, he wasn't like the most flashy prospect to me. But if you're doing that in the SEC and you got the body type, I think like those are the type of players that hang around, they get snaps ultimately. I think that he could be uh the the number two long term. Um, just Josh Kelly, he's had the opportunities to 
grabbed that role and just hasn't fully done it in, in the NFL. So I, I don't, I'm not yeah. fully buying the Josh Kelly, but as of right now, he he for sure is the RB two if the game started today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Hayden, man, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Really appreciate you uh spending 23 minutes right now i kept you longer than i said i would uh, but hopefully uh charger fans go check you and underdog fantasy out and uh you know keep crushing it man we really appreciate it yeah appreciate you in my bold predictions i said the Chargers are gonna win the super bowl what could go wrong uh <laughs> you can find me uh on twitter at hayden winks we got all the the podcasts and all that stuff go chargers there we go speaking it into existence i really appreciate it and again Chargers fans go check him out uh follow him on twitter all that good stuff